This week on the reverse stick, Olympic quality. This week on the reverse stick, Thierry grabs the balls with the Olympic qualification announced. Keely done with her take on the latest indoor rules and get excited. It's grand final time for Matt and John. Woohoo! Greetings and welcome to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. My name is John Lee. With me is... Uh, Matt Allen, and it's great to be here once again, John, for show number 111. What happened to the DJ MC, man? Huh? The DJ MC. He's not getting paid. Oh, is he? No. Oh, so we're not po-hoing anymore? There'll be no glow ho po until he uh, starts to see some mo-mo-mo in his hand. Is that you getting all over and down with the kiddies? Yeah, I don't need to, mate. You listened to last week's show with Reese. Hopefully you did as well, ladies and gentlemen out there. Show 110. Highly recommend listening in to uh, chat with Reese Smith, talking all things hockey in a city. He's right, you know. What's that? Well, those ladies' shorts aren't cut higher and they're a little bit more comfortable. Did you wear those for walk-in hockey I today? Might have. Might have. Uh, plenty on the show. Keely Dunn will be joining us because uh, new indoor rules have been announced by the FIH yeah. and Come Keely's... On done all the necessary reading that we've managed to avoid, so we'll be asking her. Come and sit down in an umpire corner with us. Grab are a cuppa. We, are we going to start a new segment called umpire uh, In corner. the Corner with Keely? Yep, we could do that, yeah. yeah well, I just feel that that would just be her telling me off after a game for <laughs> being too abusive <laughs> to You would umpires. have one of those big, tall, pointy hats with a D on it. Uh, yeah, you? thanks, yeah. yeah uh, what else have we got? Plenty, because lots has been happening in the world of hockey. Yeah, we can find out what some of that was by pressing this button here, Matt. No, it won't be that button there. It will be... Slick. It will be this button here. Slick. You know, all this slickness will go very shortly. It will. We have a big announcement in the next couple of weeks, don't we? Yeah, exclusively... Easy for me to say, exclusively for our Patreon subscribers yeah, to start with eventually everybody will find oh they'll just notice they'll just you know they'll notice the difference in quality and of course you if you are a patreon subscriber thank you are we replacing you want to be one go to patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick sorry well you said there'd be a difference in quality are we replacing <laughs> well, <maybe. hosts? laughs> okay let's get on with some news uh the big news from this week of course was matt the oceana Ocania legends cup Le- legends cup yeah uh, yeah uh previous that's under the tab here i've got the old uh tms open and of well interesting tournament victory to australia in the men's over the three tests uh they won the first game drew the the second game and then comprehensive win in the the third game to take the men's qualification for the olympics and win the oceana cup on the way to tokyo at uh the women's competition was a little bit more interesting well the, the, the Aussie girls came back in the second game and then we had a draw in the final game which went to the shootout and ultimately... No, it didn't. Hey? doesn't go to a shootout. Didn't it? No, they went through on goal difference. Oh, that's right, they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting, <laughs> no, you've I'm... got so many rules and regulations <laughs> running through your head for so many different competitions. No, no shootout in the Oceania Cup to decide. It, it was done on goal difference. Thank you. And if it had been the same, then they would have gone to a shootout, I believe. But... New Zealand won by a goal, essentially. We don't have to worry about it. New Zealand, Across black six women are on their way to Tokyo. They're going. 
So what that means is New Zealand men go back into the qualification process and the Australian women go back into it, courtesy of their world ranking being strong enough. Um, and they finish the Pro League. So yeah. Anyway, the FIH has made the announcement for the Olympic qualification matches and I believe you may have that information, Matt. Mono? I hope so. Because I haven't got it on my... You're just teasing now. You've got it right in front of you. <laughs> I've got it up here. Um, but obviously, yeah, we had the change to the rankings as well, which um, came just after the Zoceana Games finished. What have we got here? So we've got dates and we've got... Uh, do you want to go through the world rankings first? Yep, can do. Just say the top 20? The movers. <laughs> the movers well, down, down movers. to the lowest qualifier and maybe so the one after. In the men's, no change in the top five, um, although Belgium get a little bit closer, just two points off Australia on the top spot. Uh, Germany up one to sixth, England down one to seventh, Spain up one to eighth, New Zealand down one to ninth, Canada staying firm at ten. Um, some of the big movers, Wales up seven spots to 18, uh, Scotland uh, up two to 19. That's the uh, highest ever world ranking for both of those nations. Uh, Amman up six spots to 27th and Italy up three spots to 23rd uh, on the women's side of things of course the Netherlands far and away at the top of the rankings there Australia uh, in second Argentina in third no move Germany go up to fourth England drop down to fifth and then no move six seven eight New Zealand Spain Ireland uh, India up one to ninth and China up one to tenth uh, big movers Russia up to 19th at four spots Canada up three spots to 15th. Uh, big fall as Belgium. Women three uh, three spots down to 12th. And Chile three spots down to 18th. So there you go. That's what's going on with the rankings, John. Now on to the draw. Sorry, the draw. Oh, I was just going to say, um, we'll, we'll be talking more about the draw process itself a little bit later on. But just for now, we'll get through what those matchups are and who's playing who, etc. So on the men's side, 25th, 26th of October, Spain take on France in Valencia. Uh, 26th and 27th of October, the Netherlands versus Pakistan in Amsterdam. Uh, at the same time, Canada versus Ireland in West Vancouver. Uh, 1st and 2nd of November, India versus Russia in Bhubaneswar. 2nd to 3rd of November uh, for these next three games, New Zealand versus Korea in Stratford. Germany versus Austria in Mönchengladbach and GB versus Malaysia in London. John, the women's side? Uh, for On the 25th, 26th of October, uh, the Australians will be in Perth taking on Russia, which is good for us, so we'll hopefully be down there um, trying to cover a little bit of the action from that game. Sure will. Um, well, but yeah. more on that in a little bit later. Uh, 25th and 26th of October, once again, China will be at home against Belgium in Changzhou. And that same weekend, 25th and 26th, Spain will be taking on Korea in Valencia. Uh, 1st and 2nd of November, India will be in Babanazwa with the USA visiting there. That's going to be a bit of a culture shock for some of those college girls, I would think. Um, sorry, college women. Uh, 2nd and 3rd of November, Germany will be taking on Italy in Mönchengladbach. And that same weekend, the 2nd and 3rd, Great Britain and Chile in London and Ireland and Canada playing in Dublin. Of course, those are two test series played in the uh, home country of the team with the highest ranking. Yeah, we've got some double headers there. Um, and then you've got one which you think should be a double header, Canada versus Ireland, and it's uh, uh, home and away. Is it really? No, 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 no. But the women are, women are being played. Oh, yeah, they're play, being played, played in, in Ireland. Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah and men, so. men being played um, in Canada. We're just looking through those, those that draw quickly. Uh, for the men, Spain and France, 
that's a tight game, I would imagine. I think anything in those sort of middle pots that came out is yeah. is tough, and, and and you could you could argue a case either way for um, both sides involved. Like New Zealand versus Korea in the men. Well, we haven't seen Korea for a while. We haven't. Uh, that's a tough game. You'd think that India will be too good for Russia. Canada, Ireland. That's an intriguing game. Yeah, that's going to be a very, very close encounter. Netherlands, Pakistan. You would think the Netherlands would be far too strong. GB, likewise with Malaysia. You just don't know which Pakistan's turning no? up, do you? That's the problem. Um, GB, and that, Malaysia. They probably don't at the moment. <laughs> no, that's it. GB, Malaysia. I think that's a really tight... That's a, a tricky game for Great Britain. Because Malaysia... Is another team that you're not sure which one's going to turn up on the day. Is it going to be the tough, determined Malaysia, or is it going to be the flaky Malaysia? Um, yeah, wait and see. For the, the women's side of things, and we'll be talking more about this uh, Australia and Russia at Perth. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, it, it's very hot here in Perth today, folks, if we just heard the truck drive past my house. <laughs> We've got the door open because it is rather warm. It's getting towards summer. Uh, yeah. I'm hearing rumours the Russians aren't coming. Right. I heard rumours before the draw was announced that Russia wasn't coming. Well, certainly... I heard rumours before the draw was announced that several of these match-ups would be made. So it's a big trip for uh, Russia, whether it be to India or Australia. Yep. Um, And you would think likely to get a hiding, let's be frank. We'd, I don't, when was the last time Australia played Russia? Oh, geez, probably 80, a, Olympic games, 1980 maybe. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just not a country we're used to seeing ourselves play against. It'd be lovely, lovely to see them down here. Yeah, they can uh, come here and trick everybody and give them, touch them up. They, they only have to score one goal and potentially, and they can go through because you draw nil all and you score a goal and you're through. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> Well, what, we'll watch on. We'll watch on and see. It'd be nice to see that everybody who's been part of this process, this Olympic qualification process, makes their way uh, and, and honours honors um, the fixtures. And um, the teams that have already qualified for the men as confederation champions, Japan, Argentina, South Africa, Belgium and Australia, of course, Japan, uh, also qualifying as a host, which has opened up another spot for another team, essentially, because they've won those and in the women it's Japan, Argentina, South Africa Netherlands and New Zealand. What, what would the deal be now though John if somebody were to drop out would that just be a, a walkover victory for the the, for example Australia the, the, the home I team it, I, or would somebody else then have an opportunity from the world rankings to, to get into that spot? It because I don't think Is it too late? Well I don't think they, they've seriously thought that someone would drop out We've come across this I know <laughs> before, have. haven't we? I know we have. <laughs> I haven't read the terms and conditions deeply enough no. to, to know yet, but I would imagine it will be pretty much date-specific. So if Russia turned around tomorrow and went, we're not going, it's too hard, maybe they could give it to the next ranked team. But the closer it gets to the actual date of the event, the less likelihood there is that they'll be able to find a replacement. So maybe if uh, you know five days before the event, Russia goes, oh, no, nah, can't come, then... There might yeah. be a walkover yeah. for them. Yeah. It'd be sad. It'd be sad for hockey. Uh, I think if Russia do- doesn't want to come, they should just say it now and give someone else the opportunity. Because, okay, they might lose, but the valuable experience their players would get coming to Australia and playing here yeah. against a quality team in two matches, I mean, that's what's it gonna valuable. Co- what's it going to cost, though? What's it going to 40, 50 grand to be able to do it? Um, Plus. We, we can't stray too far into these areas, but don't you reckon 
you know, the big Vlad would be able to, he'd be able to sort it out. He'd just dip into his back pocket. Charter an Aeroflot. Who'd charter a Trump airline. Get him to start a Trump hotel. It'd be easy done. Do you have a Trump hotel here? He could buy one here. He'd, he'd, yeah, just, it could be done. I've been speaking to his people about some show sponsorship. Have you? Yeah. Ah. What? In Moscow? Uh, so that's what's happening with the uh, with the Olympic qualifiers first getting underway on the 25th and 26th of October. Really looking forward to them, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the whole process for how they came to this qualification a little bit later. Any more news quickly? No, I think that, to that, our yeah, that's it for news. Let's crack on. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And, John, it's time to take you away to Umpire Corner. Umpire Corner. Yeah, and joining us, Keely Dunn from <laughs> FH Umpires. Hey, Keely. Hey, guys. How's it going? That's good. Sorry, we might do a bit of work on the on the intro there. But, uh, you're happy to, you're happy to <laughs> join us in Umpire Corner? Sound effects or something? But sure, I will join you guys in any corner. You're my favourites. You know that. Oh, thank you. Even the short corner. Yeah. <laughs> Given against me, probably. <laughs> Keely. It's uh, not a short corner. <laughs> penalty corner, Matt. Where's the long corner? Oh, hang on. Then. We're not going to, <laughs> we're not going to start off, we're not going to start off this way. Keely, primarily, we've got you on today to talk about the new indoor rules. Of course, indoor season's going to start popping up around the world. Uh, what, what's your take? What are the changes? And, uh, what, yeah, what's going on with the new rules? Okay, well, uh, for those of you who were just so keen to hear about all the outdoor rules and, and all the big changes there, you'll probably be a little happy to know that the indoor changes aren't as big. And my general take on it is actually I'm not super mad about them. Um, a lot of the changes make more sense in the context of the indoor game. And this might just be because, you know, here in Calgary where I'm based, we play a very long indoor season. It's like six months of our year. And so it's, it's a big part of our hockey culture. And, and so I can really see how these rules are going to work a little bit more, uh, in that context. But, um, yeah, the, the changes are a little less material than they might have felt in, in the outdoor rules, but we can go into them in excruciating detail. Go for it. Uh, well, what's okay. the biggest change, Keely? What's the, the major change? Well, let's start with the quarters. Uh, We've got quarters and indoor now. Yay! Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, okay, let me defend this one because I hate quarters and outdoor. But in indoor, it makes a lot more sense. So you'll remember that previously we had, under the FIH rules, two 20-minute halves, mm-hmm. and each team could call a timeout in each half. So you could have up to four timeouts in a match. And those timeouts would take one minute and then the teams would get back going. Well, what's happened is, and you can read all about this in the rules preambles, that they've realized that teams were getting really savvy and they were using the timeouts not really as a way to gain extra coaching, but as a way to break the momentum of the opposing team. And I will put my hand up when I play. I do this (laughs) as often as I can (laughs) because my team will be short, will be absolutely bagged. I can tell that we're going to get scored on in, in the next 30 seconds or so, and I'll turn to the umpire. I'll be like, yep, give me a timeout. And boom, we're able to just collect ourselves, have a chat, you know, pull up our socks, and get back out there and, and uh, change the momentum. So 
Um, so what they've done essentially by moving to quarters is they've given two mandatory one-minute timeouts in the match. So they happen after 10 minutes, and it's a one-minute interval in between the quarters, and off you go. So in a way, it's not going to feel as different. So I'm not super mad about that. And when you look at what you do in a, in a, in a timeout or when you do a quarter interval is that the, the players don't have as far to come to come to the bench and to get their refreshments and get their coaching instructions and get back in there. So it's not as big of a, as, a, as an interruption. And then they also reduce the halftime from five minutes to three. So um, this goes along with another change I'll say in a minute. So they've they've kind of tinkered with the time a little bit, and I, I think it's probably a beneficial change for everybody. What do you guys think of those? Well, I must admit, uh, when you when you talk about they're actually essentially just replacing timeouts with a quarter time break, it makes a, a bit of sense. Uh, and as you said, it, it if teams are just using it to break the other team's run, then it's it's probably a good thing. So it looks like so it's one minute quarter time, three minutes half time, one minute third quarter time. Correct. Yeah. The other the other thing that goes with that three minute half time is that the teams are no longer required to change benches. So the team will just like we do an outdoor now will just stay at the bench that they start on. Okay. And that reduces the amount of fuss and everybody having to pick up their gear and all the coaches and then your ability to punch an opposing player as you walk <laughs> by them. You know, all those things that get taken out of the equation. And so that's why they can reduce the halftime to that three minutes. So the game is going to go a lot faster. And when you add that to stopping time on penalty corners, which we'll talk about in a bit, you're going to be able to stuff more actual playing time in your uh, your your booking block. Yeah. If if we can say it that way. So as opposed to outdoor, where we lost 10 minutes off the clock, it, we're keeping this the the same 40 minutes of match time, and you're actually going to get more ability to play uh, during your booking blocks. But it still might be something that different jurisdictions are going to think, well, we don't really have the time to to do the stoppage of the penalty corners and that sort of thing. But hopefully with the halftime being reduced and taking more timeouts out of the equation, that that will give them the chance to implement the uh, stopping of time on yep. penalty corners. Keely, though, there's um, unlimited interchange in, in indoor hockey as well, same as outdoor, is that right? Correct, except for the goalkeeper. Okay. So the the goalkeeper who is fully kitted, um, and there are no players with kicking back privileges anymore, um, the goalkeeper can be subbed off for field player no more than twice during a match. Okay. Because, again, we, we, we went through a little phase, and it was really a, it was a hit in Europe where they just they were playing half court where the goalkeeper would run off as soon as uh, – their their team got possession of the ball, and then they would play five or six players, depending on which phase we were with how many players we were supposed to be on the court. And they would go up and play with their uh, their player advantage, and then as soon as they turned over the ball, that player would hop off the court, goalkeeper would run back on, and then they would defend. 
Okay. So it set up this terrible, I watched some games and they were doing it a ton in England and it was awful. It turned into, it looked like basketball. And I mean, nobody likes basketball. Come on. Yeah, no, so I'm <laughs> that, that, that's when they brought in the, the restriction of only two times can the goalkeeper come on, uh, on and off, uh, for a field player. If they get injured or if they get suspended, it doesn't count towards those okay. two times. I do love the innovation in our game, though, because if there's a rule to be tweaked or, you know, if there's a way we can get around doing something, we'll find a way. Oh, absolutely. And that, I mean, that's the thing that I get so geeky about the rules about because when you live and breathe the sport like we do, you get to see all these attempts to push the envelope and outright cheat and <laughs> do all that stuff. And you can tell when a really smart player or group of players brings a rule change idea into the rules committee environment. So uh, Canadian captain Scott Tupper is now on the rules committee and he's, uh, uh, and I think he's helped bring some of those ideas forward and, and refine them. And so it's, it's really nice to see. And, and so I get really excited about seeing this because I'm like, ha ha, I know what that means and I know why that's come into place. And it's, it's fun. Well, I must admit, I quite like the idea of that, that rule change for the indoor hockey scene, especially when you've got rolling interchanges. And coaches shouldn't need to drag them off for a minute and have a chat if you've got rolling interchange. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just, again, it just stops the flow of the game and, yep. and you can yell at them. The players are right there. I do a lot of coaching <laughs> in indoor and I'm really good at communicating to my players. <laughs> they are, they would like to be further away from me. In the <laughs> So there's no need for timeouts at all. And what, what other changes can we expect to see? Okay, so as I touched on before, no players with goalkeeping privileges, just like with outdoor. Yep. But um, just what I wanted to point out on that one that makes it even more interesting is that if a goalkeeper gets carded, let's say they come rushing out on a one-on-one and they wipe out the attacking player and a, the umpire calls a stroke and cards off the goalkeeper with a five-minute yellow card, which I've done on a few occasions, the, the play has to continue under the rules with a field player coming in until somebody can kit up for right. that goalkeeper. So you don't just lose your goalkeeper uh, and, and get that team penalty awarded against you, but you don't have anybody with goalkeeping privileges that can help stop the ball from going in the net with their body. So cards are against goalkeepers are going to be a big, big penalty going forward under these rules. Do you think that protects the players? I'd like to think so. I, I think deterrent value is good. Um, I think goalkeepers are some of the more rules savvy players out there on the pitch. They tend to know what they can get away with. And they're the, they're the ones who really like to push the envelope and that sort of thing. And if you, you know, there might be a few instances where they're, they get a little shocked at the fact that you know, they've they've taken that uh, reckless action and they, they take the card and all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait, now nobody can stop this stroke from going into the goal. Um, hopefully that that will help. I, d- I don't see, you know, goalkeepers don't take a lot of cards in indoor anyway or in outdoor, to to be honest. So I don't see it happening too, too often, but but it, it's there. It's, it's definitely there. And I think teams are going to understand that they're not going to want to put their... Uh, captain's band on a goalkeeper ever again because <laughs> if that if you have a problem with substitutions if you have players that are beaking off or anything else that the captain is responsible for doing 
that umpire is going to have to sit there and decide whether they're going to basically give a, a, a field player open goal situation to that team by carting off that goalkeeper. And uh, umpires are going to want to be in that position. So, you know, don't don't put your captain's band on the goalkeeper. There you go. A bit of advice for you. We'll get back to yeah. goalkeepers a bit later on because I've got a question to ask you, Keely, about goalkeepers generally. But is is there any of these rule changes you've you've seen and thought, no, that's just a silly idea? Um, I don't think anything's really silly. Um, what I don't like in this edition of the rule book, um, first of all, and and. <laughs> I, I may have mentioned that I am a geek before, but uh, I've got two strikes against me here when I look at this rule book. First of all, I have legal training. I don't practice law anymore, but I, you know, have all that training, and I have an editorial certificate from a post-secondary institution here in Calgary. And this rule book is an absolute mess. It's just there's black lines left over from the 2017 rules that mean nothing in these rules. There's punctuation errors. Type the typography is awful. The character spacing's off. It's just it like going through it for the last three hours was just like tearing my hair out. I just just drove me crazy. So, and and then there's little inconsistencies where something was changed in the outdoor rules and they forgot to change in the indoor rules, or they took something out that they put in in the in the outdoor rules and. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Does that have significance? And they don't explain it in the rules preamble, so I'm not sure. So, for example, you know, they uh, they deleted the guidance about when a PC is considered retaken from the indoor rules, but that little section is still in the outdoor rules. So, does that mean it's different, or did they just make a mistake? Hard to know. You know what we've got you on though, Keely, to give us a breakdown of the rules. We don't need to delve right into it. We'll leave mm -hmm. that. We'll leave that to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, th this is the thing, right? So, so the whole blacklining issue is so that when you, as general layperson, open up a new rule book, you go, "Oh, there's a black line there. That's different from the last book." So I need to pay attention to this. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, you've got no indicate like it means nothing. It's just like graffiti. So I'm really disappointed in that. That's going to confuse a lot of people that actually understand what the black lining is. And yeah, it's it's generated some work for me, so that's nice. But you know, hey guys, I FIH Rules Committee, I volunteers tribute. I will clean up this stuff. You know, just send it my way, and I'll I'll make it look pretty. Well, the FIH are listening, so they won't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, there, there are go. some other rule changes though, yeah. so I don't I don't want to I, I don't want to miss them out because people will say, wait, you didn't talk about that. So. No, that people will be enthralled and they just can't wait. They'll be in the edge of their seats at the moment. Keely, hit us. Go on. What, what I else? know. Okay, free hits or sorry, free pushes inside the three meter dotted line. Mm -hmm. So that's going to work the same way that it does in outdoor as the free hits inside the five meter dotted line. Yep. So if it's quick self pass. The defender can shadow, but if there's time to set up, the defenders have to back up three meters. Yeah. Any questions? Makes sense. Well, Good. It, that makes sense, although a lot of people are still having troubles trying to uh, <laughs> implement that rule. I've, I've seen very many variations paid this year on that rule. Yeah, that's it's it's weird to me because uh, well, I mean, I I hope that I've been able in the things that I've written in my mini course and and all that kind of thing that I've given a pretty clear 
you know, pretty clear help on how to get that done. There's um, there's also a nice little video that Scottish Hockey put out with um, uh, with Sarah Wilson talking about how to do it. And and when when you simplify it to if you as the umpire have time to say back up three meters or back up five meters in outdoor, then the defenders have to. If you don't have time to say it because the ball's in play, then you don't do anything, which is just like what you do everywhere else on the pitch. And would you, your interpretation of that rule, if the player says back up and, or the umpire says back up and the player makes an attempt to back up, but he's still inside that five meters when the other player plays on, that's just, you're, you're right, aren't you? As the defender to, to then tackle that player. Mm, no. So <laughs> I, I I wouldn't go that way. I'd, I'd say if you haven't gotten back to the five meters, then you need to wait until the ball moves five before you can close. And that's why it's really it, this is to encourage you as defenders. And you know I said this in outdoor, and it's the same thing in indoor. Like why would you stay inside the range and constrict yourself from tackling for so long? When all you have to do is back up three steps, and then as soon as that ball's touched, you go with that player. And the attacker is sitting there with the ball, and they're dribbling, and they've got to calculate how far their three meters is. And they're looking for the circle line, because that's when they can go. So their head's down, they're focused on something else, and you can just come in and crunch them with a great tackle. So why wouldn't you step back? It's the better way to defend. Yeah, I'm just caught up in this in in the bit between being allowed to tackle within that five meters if the player plays on, but yeah. having and, to having and, to remove yourself from that zone at the same time. So if you're in the act of removing yourself from that zone and the player then takes off, mm-hmm. does that mean you can you're fine because you've made the effort to to get out of that zone? Uh, it's, I don't think so. Making the effort's not enough, is it? You've got to do it. What my issue is is what is the interpretation of the distance and different different umpires well, say, calculate say it differently. You don't move a step and the umpire says nothing and the bloke plays on. You're allowed to tackle mm-hmm. them, right? If the umpire says to you, mm. move back, and you start to move back, and you are in the process of moving back as and that player plays on, yeah. well, uh, certainly, uh, where, where does that line get drawn? I, I, don't, I don't think they have to wait for you to get set. It's your no, job they to don't. Set. But... but if if you stand still and they play on, <laughs> if you can follow me, you can tackle them. If the umpire says nothing, if according to the way we're discussing this rule now. But if you mm, are actually nope. moving backwards and removing yourself from that zone and they play on, you can't tackle. No, you can't tackle no, if you just stand still. You're allowed to shadow if they go straight away. Yeah? Yeah. So you but can, you can't you can close. Run, you can run the arc uh, yeah. on the yeah. on the top of the D alongside them. And then at that five meter point, they they can then enter the D, but you can also lay a tackle. Yeah. So, we're so for all the umpires listening, and I know there's there's literally dozens out there that are going to listen to this podcast. Um, the best practice is to be really proactive with your communication. So if you're saying to a player, "Hey, back up, back up," you're not there, not yet, not yet, and you you let them know what you've seen and that they're not allowed to tackle. If you're using your voice, they will understand what they're able to do because you're not trying to trick them into committing a foul that leads to a penalty corner or a card. You want them to comply so that you get the best hockey out of this situation. So be proactive, use your voice, 
make sure that as soon as you, you award a free hit that's within the dotted line, that you're going through your checklist. Okay, how far is that defender? What do they need to do? Where's the ball placement? Go through all that and use your voice. And I think you can avoid a lot of these situations. But if you stay mute, that I can see how that would be extremely frustrating for a player. Yeah, okay. It's a bit clearer. Okay. <laughs> That'll all change tomorrow afternoon, Keely. The first time an umpire has to blow the whistle for that one, we'll all be on different pages. Just remember, just at FH umpires. As soon as yeah. you see an umpire who's struggling with it, you just yell out at FH umpires, <laughs> and then they'll 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 at me. They'll slide into my DMs. They'll do whatever, and I'll I'll help them out. So oh, I, th- I thought it was going to be like be like the um, like the bat phone or the you know the bat signal in the sky. All you've got to do is shout it pitch side, and you'll be there to do a bit of uh, mentoring. Exactly. Just flash a whistle. You know, in, in light, and well, yeah, can, I'll be there. I can see it. I can see the FH umpires. <laughs> Light shining bright in the sky through the clouds. Look at that, John. We'll have to get an umpire wow. bill. An umpire copter. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will need a jet. We okay, don't know. We don't sorry. like helicopters in hockey, John. But they don't go oh, everywhere. <laughs> 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 okay. What, what else have we got as far as the rule changes go, Keely? Okay, here's the last really interesting one that I'll shoot at you, is that uh, defenders who break early on a penalty corner, remember how they used to get sent to the center line? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they decided that they're too damn fast. So now they have to go all the way to uh, no fewer than, or no, no more than, oh, God, I'm going to get this wrong. But they can be at the opposition back line, 9.1 meters from that back line. Oh, good. I'm same, same building. I thought you were going to say somewhere down the street. <laughs> right, okay. They have to go get a samosa, <laughs> and then <laughs> grab a coffee, and then they can come back to the pitch. No. So they need to go to the opposite top of the circle. Okay, top of the circle at the other and end of the field. And then they can come back um, and help defend. Yeah, well, that makes sense, you know. Penalising yeah. athletes for uh, improved performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I think it's fair. You know, they're too damn fast. It's just, well, it's not well okay. it is a much smaller field too. I mean, do, yeah. do you think there's a lot yeah. of breakdowns of, of goals not scored because of that? Well, in my experience at my level of play and what I generally umpire. No, because we're not that fast. But from the matches that I saw at the Indoor World Cup and that sort of thing, yeah, I, I can see how that's pretty. It, that's a that's a fair assessment and something that they want to check. And you know what? If it helps deter players from breaking early, then that's a good thing. The other thing that that does is that if you elect to not defend with your entire retinue of defenders and you want to send one high because you're sassy and you want a fast break when you you know make your amazing save and transition the ball up the court that defender even though they've elected they have to be at no closer than the top of the opposing circle as well so that turns into a bit of a riskier proposition because that teammate is now further away from being able to help you if things really break down can you uh, choose which person goes back, or uh, well, you have to? Is it the person that breaks? It has to be. If it's an early break, then it has to be the defender who goes, okay. unless it's a goalkeeper, and then somebody else has to go. Right. Okay. And the team gets to elect. Yeah. And if they take too long to make their decision, then I threaten them 
by saying, I'm going to take your best player and send them if you don't send somebody right now. Yeah. And that usually helps. <laughs> Fair enough. Can I play the I'm Joker? a really fun umpire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what, what, what's the minutia? Take us through every other single uh, rule change, please. <laughs> no, you totally don't want me to do that. No, just the big ones. Not at all. Is there any, is there any of these rule changes that you think will change the way the game is played? No, I think these are just, just fine tuning. Yeah. So, you know, they looked at what happened after the, uh, at the, at the Inderworld Cup last year, which was a fantastic event. I watched all the matches and it was just some incredible hockey being played and, you know, countries stepping onto the stage that you wouldn't normally expect. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I, th- I, th- I think your men's team did quite quite well that you wouldn't have expected and no. then uh iran did well on the men's side and came third, yeah it was they? really nice to s- yeah exactly there you go came third and so th- it was a fun tournament from that perspective so i don't think they need to make major changes to it and just the the little changes are you know they make sense to me it's just a question of whether j- uh, national associations and the local leagues are going to implement all of the things like the quarters, like stopping time on the penalty corners, which they might still find to be too onerous to do at their level of play. Will these rules be played at, at international level, though, regardless of what national associations decide to do? Yes, absolutely. They'll be all international. And then what the rules preamble says is that they want to see the top level of domestic competition in the countries playing the rules as well. Okay. Which is kind of funny because I think that means that in Calgary, that's the division I play in because we don't have anything else. So does that mean that we're playing all the international rules? Yeah. Kind kind of seems a little, you know, (laughs) a little excessive because we're not that good. So... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but that's not a new problem. That's that's fairly uh, that's fairly universal across countries like ours that perhaps don't have a national domestic league and and that sort of thing where everybody's unified at some level. Yeah. You mentioned before, Keely, some of the maybe frustrations from the outdoor rules latest update. There's obviously that's been played through for six months or, or or more now, or more than six months. But have you seen anything that's been surprising from the changes? Um, it was January, wasn't it, yeah, when they came in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think from my own experience watching, uh, I, th- I thought everybody was kind of getting their shorts uh, in a knot excessively over the quarters until we implemented it in our <laughs> national championships here in Canada. And I just, I really think it sucked. It just really stopped the game unnecessarily. And, for example, I was umpiring managing at the under-15 nationals, and it was just so unnecessary. And we were playing 17-and-a-half-minute quarters because uh, we weren't stopping time on the PCs because we didn't have experienced technical people necessarily. And it just... It just wasn't fun, and I don't think the kids, you know, the kids just want to get out there and play, and I think recreational players would too, so, yeah, I hated it. I hated it. It it makes sense when you're watching the game on broadcast. I get it. But otherwise, no. I know from my experience in our team, several of the guys who were at the beginning of the season, oh, it won't be that bad, let's see how it goes, are now vehemently against it. <laughs> um 
no one seems to like it at all. I've yet to find someone that's played it that says, oh, no, I really enjoy playing quarters. Yeah. And then the other one that really didn't go down well, obviously, was stopping time on penalty corners. So, I mean, in, in contrast to indoor where you have a much smaller venue space and the umpires are or at least one of the umpires is, is quite close to the technical bench, you tend to have, a, you're more likely to have a score clock that people can see that you're controlling and that kind of stuff. In outdoor, just trying to track that is awful. And then there was a lot of confusion, and there's been a lot of confusion here in Canada about whether you stop time for 40 seconds, or is it a maximum of 40 seconds, or... It's actually neither of those things under the rules. It's only in the regulations that it's 40 seconds. So that kind of stupid fussiness is exactly the kind of thing that we don't need in our domestic game. So I, I, I hope that that gets cleared up in the next uh, sort of six months of outdoor competition and uh, it gets a little bit easier for everybody to cope with back home. Well, I must admit, I couldn't figure out why they did it in the first place. It seemed like a totally unnecessary thing to do. But some of the other rules that uh, were brought in at the beginning of the year haven't... They've actually worked out all right. I mean, the change to the free hit within five metres of the D rule, as much as we might have said we were confused about it earlier, it still hasn't really affected the game at all. Um, And... Losing kicking fullbacks, as much as I didn't like it, it hasn't had any real effect on the game either. Yeah, you really hated that rule. Yeah, I'm still, I still <laughs> like the idea of kicking fullbacks. I think for lower grades, it can mm-hmm. sometimes be an important thing to have in your back pocket if you need it, especially if you're in a lower grade team that maybe struggles to get 11 every week. Your goalie gets injured on the way to the game or something like that. <laughs> Right, mate, you haven't, you haven't played with Smithy. You know what he's like. He, can, he, he got his pads one week. <laughs> yeah, but that's not getting injured on the way to the game, was Smithy it? would. <laughs> he's entirely capable of doing that. But, uh, um, but clearly, the, the one rule that seems to keep confusing people is the overhead rule and about who's, who's in the position to receive the ball and the f- whole five yards thing. It seems to be confusing to players and to umpires. Yeah, it it is, and it is one of. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie, and I mean clearly you didn't read my article in the Hockey World News, and that's okay. I'm I'm only partially <laughs> devastated by learning this, but it it just it's a really complicated situation that has. It, it was easy at first when the rule came into place in 2003. Mm. You know, players were doing these aerials from a stationary position. They had to get the ball pushed to them from one meter away by a teammate. And they were very, the trajectory of the ball was very uniform throughout every time it was successfully conducted. It was nice and high and it dropped into space. But now that we have self passes, now that you can lift the ball straight off the, the free hit, all these variables have changed how the skill is being executed. I mean, there's there's players who can, on the full run, can execute an aerial. It's crazy. I don't even, I my brain just blow, like my mind is blown every time I see it happen. But they do it. And what that does is it changes all the dynamics about how you can assess things, the trajectory of the ball, the speed of the ball. All these things are different now. And... Um, you know, I was listening to the uh, recent, not the footy 
show yeah. podcast. Uh, hopefully, I remembered all the words. Um, where Ashley Morrison was talking about the aerial rule and how complicated it is and how it needs to be simplified. And the problem is, is that when you simplify a rule like that, you absolutely and by necessity introduce a lot more subjectivity on the part of the umpire. Now, that doesn't necessarily upset me, but it th that notion upsets a lot of players and a lot of coaches. They're like, we want things to be more clear for the umpires. We want to know, black and white, is this going to be called or is it not going to be called? So you can either have simple and subjective, or you can have complicated and objective, where it lists all the different criterion. Like if the ball is going at this pace and going in this direction, and the player starts here and the player starts there, and they're within this many meters or that many meters, that's what you need. That's the level of granularity you need to make that rule objective. And it's probably going to suck. Like It's probably not going to allow the players to explore their skills. And I mean, that's the beautiful part about hockey is that so many different things can happen from one moment to the next. And, and it's just, I love that about the game. And if you try to hammer out all of the variables and make it very objective and complicated like that, it's just, it's just going to get in the way. And it's going to be really hard. Now, when I started playing hockey, you're allowed to lift the ball, and it was a, a much freer rule than it is now. However, you're allowed to stop the ball with your hand as well. Is there room <laughs> to bring the hand stop back? Is, is oh that my something God. With, the, with the advent of aerial skills that we're now seeing coming out of, you know, people like self-pass and, and the stuff that's coming out of there, is there going to be a place where the hand stop perhaps could make a, a comeback? Yeah, in the German national team, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not if Van Ash is in that. Um, I, you know what? I, I can sort of understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, how much faster is the ball yeah. traveling in the air now than it was back then? Yeah. And when I look at the rules of the game, I think, and I'm going to make up the statistic on the spot, I think 90% of the rules are entirely rooted in protecting the safety of the players. Yeah. Not being able to use your feet, your body, obstruction, even the boundary lines, like everything is about keeping players from getting hurt. So if you <laughs> introduced players being able to reach up and grab the ball, I think you'd be seeing a lot of broken fingers. Yeah, that is a potential downside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just a small issue. Well, I must admit, with the way my fingers are, there ain't no chance of me sticking them up. <laughs> They'll not be stopping them with my hand. <laughs> Do you still have them all? Are you sure? Yeah, but they all point in different directions. <laughs> <laughs> and look, the other rule I wanted to talk to you about is um, refers to goalies and exactly and the propulsion of the ball uh, by a goalkeeper. Can we ask Katie this? Yeah, like, but I, I see a lot of it happening. And even at international level, I see goalkeepers playing at the ball, not just to stop it, mm -hmm. but to give it direction and momentum in a particular way. Or in our grade, yep. the goalie who's lying on the ground and gives the ball a big swipe and knocks it out towards the sidelines. Now, under my understanding yep. is that's a free hit. The goalie's not nope. allowed to propel the ball. Is that right? Yeah, they can. They can, but not in a, isn't it? Isn't it in a for, <laughs> yep. isn't it? Isn't it a forward motion or an advantageous um, direction or something like that? You, you explained that last time. Yeah, it's supposed to be part of a goal-saving action and yeah, not 
it, and, and prior to now, it was not to be part of the attack. But you know what? They just ditched that in, yeah. the, in the 2019 outdoor rules. Ah, right. There you go. They just said, nobody's calling it and nobody's doing it. So I, I think if you, again, <laughs> these savvy goalkeepers, I hope Vincent Van Ash is not listening to this podcast because I know he's going to try it. But if, if you see goalkeepers start lobbing the ball up in the air and looking at their teammate, you know, 60 meters down the pitch and full out batting it up on a transition play, then you might see the rules body <laughs> revisiting that issue. But honestly, I watch a ton of hockey and it's not happening. It's goalkeepers kind of have other priorities like stopping the ball. So a, a goalkeeper on the ground, uh, they've taken a penalty corner, he's laying down, it's come off his pads, it's sitting a foot <laughs> in front of him. He's within his rights yep. to use his hand to swipe the ball away. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to live with that. I just was uh, under the impression yeah. that they, they weren't allowed to propel it beyond a, a save. You know, They weren't allowed to push it to a yeah. player with their hands or something like that. No, that that's something that they've been gradually... Uh, liberalizing over the last okay. maybe 20 years, which is a good thing because when I started umpiring, I was terrible at catching goalkeepers at that. I was just like, dude, that looked good. Play on. <laughs> and <laughs> meanwhile, they'd be swatting the ball off in another direction and players would sort of look at me and I'm like, I don't know, it was good skill. And, uh, so I'm really glad that they took that out because it's, it's one of those things that really, what did it serve? What purpose did it serve? Did it keep anybody safer? No, we still have the danger rule. And if if a goalkeeper has the the strength and the skill to be able to do that from whatever supine position they're in, then go for it. And I must admit, with the the technology involved with goalkeepers padding and those sorts of things, you know, a goalkeeper can stand there and get hit by a ball and not do anything, and it still goes halfway up the other end of the field. See, that's the other problem. Do you want to have this technical rule that just doesn't really achieve any yeah. end like protecting player safety and that umpires have to make tough decisions about? Like, let's get rid of those. That's that's the kind of simplification we can do, which is, yep, let's just get rid of it. But if a goalkeeper in the process of propelling the ball puts uh, an opposing player in danger we have a rule that is very subjective that we can use to protect that player. Educating and informing on the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Slight change of tact, Keely. Have you ever been uh, shifted off a field, whether it be in a playing capacity or an umpiring capacity, before the end of the game? Um, and not just for poor performance. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, gee, okay. Well, that, that covers off the first 20 examples I was going to think of. Um, only on event of weather, so like lightning or something like that, or just a snowstorm, um, which I'm sure you, you have that problem all the time. Um, yeah, no, it hasn't. And... Please, why don't you tell the listeners why yeah. you're asking me this Would question? Because I love this story. Fi fireworks or a weather event? No, I wouldn't include them. That doesn't seem like an act of a fictional deity at all. Explain to the listeners what you're talking about. Okay, there. so there's a little story that popped up uh, from last weekend in the NCAA division in the US, a uh, game between University of Maine and uh, Temple University, but being played at Kent State University. Uh, the game went into overtime, and uh, unfortunately the, the turf booking uh, ran out because the 
the uh, pyrotechnics uh, guys and girls had to get in there and set up the fireworks display for the football game to follow later on. Sorry, ladies, off you go. Uh, we've got to get the fireworks set up. I find it extraordinary. And it's not even... Sorry, Keely, this happened in an NCAA event. I mean, it's not just any old hockey game. This is NCAA's major level sport in the US. Yeah, Division One. Yeah. There is big money involved in these games. It's crazy. And they weren't even setting up the fireworks at that pitch. They were setting them up in the next door football stadium where there was going to be probably fewer fans than there were for the field hockey game. And it was the middle of the day. How are your fireworks going to work in the middle of the day? I saw the and display. Was an it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, how embarrassing. It, it, it at least could have been awesome. And then you'd say, yeah, that's why we're doing this. Check that out. But no, it was ridiculous. And I'd like to say I'm surprised and shocked. But, you know, smash the patriarchy. This is this is what they deal with, even now, even in the U.S. It's is that uh, a sign of a lack of respect for women's sport, or is it a sign of lack of respect for hockey? I think it's both, and you don't have to separate that out because in the uh, U.S., yeah, hockey is is a women's sport, and it's a women's sport, you know, precisely because it's marginalized, because the majority of of the participants are female. That discourages men from getting involved the resources aren't there the the atmosphere isn't there it's not very supportive we have the same problem in canada so i i don't want to uh you know dump on the americans for that specifically but um it's it's horrific when you consider in the context of the you know of title nine title 11 title nine see i'm not american i don't know one x i was just working that out in my head again is that nine nine right yeah title nine (laughs) my american friends are gonna like Lindsay is gonna listen to this and she's gonna she's gonna kick my butt but um hashtag trs word 11 (laughs) sugar riches um when when you look at title nine and how you know hockey programs are really under a lot of stress down in the states, they are canceling programs all over the shop, and long-standing, very successful programs at a variety of levels. And um, you know, it's it's just starting to really pile on and pile on. And and Kent State is in a world of trouble on this. They've had a lot of bad publicity coming out of it. Well, it just saddens me because you know, when you look at the the wealth of plonkers that come out of American professional sport. Why people would bother still supporting it is just totally beyond me. Yeah, and it's football, and it wasn't even a good team. I mean, it's so many things. But, you know, John, this is what happens when you have overtime to decide matches. (laughs) If they'd gone straight to a shootout, it would have been fine. (laughs) Oh, twist the knife, (laughs) Gilly. You're welcome. Um, yeah, that may be an argument. Or you could also argue they could have just shown some respect. Right, right, respect. God, we've been working on that one, haven't we? Yes. Hashtag equally amazing. It's yep. yeah, bit of respect. Yeah, well, I think the girls did really well anyway. <laughs> don't, don't. It's just Matt. silence, just silence from both You're of you. To say Come that, on, Matt. I did it with a smile on my face. <laughs> uh, Keely, you got anything to plug? Oh, goodness. Well, um, 
let's see, I've got my uh, dissertation, my deconstruction of the indoor rules is going to be published very soon on my website. And Excellent. once there are videos that I can use to accompany any of the rule changes, I'll be publishing a little mini course that you can take. And it's it's really, really reasonably priced. I'm just trying to get back some of my server costs for hosting all the, the videos and things like that. But that exists right now for the outdoor rules. So if you're a little confused as to how the outdoor rules are going to be working for you and you haven't been playing them up until now, there is an outdoor rules updater course on fhumpires.com that you can take for just a little bit of money and uh, you can get some glorious videos to uh, to see examples of how the rules work in real life. Excellent. Uh, and can you get some merchandise on there as well, Keely? Oh, there's a there's bits and bobs all over the place. I've got this this new travel tumbler that I'm super excited about that converts from a water bottle to a coffee or tea mug, and it goes back and forth, and I'm just super excited about it. So yeah, well, it's, it's in the Instagram story that I showed you, I'm, that I tagged you guys in. I'm always keen to keep my cup of tea warm. So Exactly. Exactly. All right. I'll send one over. No, don't do that. I'll, I'll buy one for Christmas for him. <laughs> it was actually it was amazingly quick. When, when when we got some gear off you last time, it arrived very swiftly. So yeah, you know, if you you are looking for something for a birthday for some a birthday gift for someone, and it's coming up in a couple of weeks' time, there's a good chance that it would reach you if you head to fhumpires.com today and make a purchase. And your little umpire I'll kid's be- a ripper too. I must admit. I've, I've, oh, thank you. It's been shown around to a few people and. My missus was particularly impressed by the quality of the bag that it came in. In fact, she wants me to give her the bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's her Christmas present coming it up. It could be. It could very well be. Well, Kelly, thanks for joining us today and explaining some of those rule changes and talking through some of the other rule changes we've been living with for a while now. Um, what's, where are you off to next? Have you got something coming up umpiring-wise? Um, nothing really set in terms of management or appointments like that for me, but I am going to head out to West Vancouver in October when the men are hosting Ireland, and oh. I'm going to run a development uh, group out there. Uh, surprise, Highfield Hockey BC, I'm going to run a development group and um, try to you know, use that context of the matches to uh, conduct some exercises and have lots of great discussion uh, around those games, it's it, these these are great opportunities. When I participated in them, when I was you know back in my active umpiring uh, competitive days, it was those were always my biggest learning opportunities. I really enjoyed them, so I'm going to take the opportunity and provide that for uh, for our local folks or hey anybody who happens to be there. So there'll be information up on fhumpires.com about that very soon. Oh well, anybody that's going to be there, check that out as well on the FH Umpires website. Keely, once again, thanks for joining us, and we uh, look forward to chatting to you again very shortly. Had a blast. Thanks, as always, guys. You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. That was Keely Dunn. She uh, operates FH Umpires. Just search FH Umpires on all the socials, or if you've got a question, hashtag AskFHU. You can follow us on the socials too, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube, all at the reverse stick. I always like talking to Keely about rules because she always lets me uh, 
say what I think and make a fool of myself. And then just laughs without ever putting me down necessarily. Somebody's got to ask the stupid questions, John. They do, because very often players ask stupid questions on the field. So I'm asking the stupid questions on the player's behalf before they get out on the field and make an idiot of themselves. No, I think you're doing a service to the game. And, and look, you know, we talked about this before, particularly when people come back after a bit of a break. They're still working off rules from four years ago, oh, yeah, six I'll years ago, eight years ago. And it's almost a new game for some of them. There's, you know, been 12 different modifications. And How many times do you still see blokes banging it straight into the D from within the 25? Oh, constant. And, and, and guys that you know, know the rule and haven't done it before. And suddenly they just mind flips back 20 years and yep. back straight in. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, new rules for indoor. Let's hopefully the, um, the next time there's some outdoor updates, they're not going to stuff around with the game needlessly. And we can have our two halves back, at least at levels below, say, the Classic League. I think it's gone... Or uh, first Division Domestic. I think it's uh, it's gone too far, John. Um, I think that the only change that would come, certainly here in Australia, would be a decision internally, either within the local competition or the, the national competition, as with, with England. Um, and uh, you don't need to implement it if you don't want to. Yeah, I... I I'm interested to see how Hockey 1 goes this year with uh, the decreased player roster. Yeah. Because that's going to um, that's going to really affect the way they go about these things. And players, modern players, uh, are used to the rolling substitutions with the, with the big lists. And it'll be interesting to see how they, they cope with extended game time. Yeah. I, think I mean, some players will, will love it. it. Yeah, yeah. And, but some guys are going to struggle with it, I think. Some teams will struggle with it. When do you make your substitutions? Do you just stretch out your, your substitutions from what you're doing now instead of every six minutes or you make it every eight minutes or whatever you do? Or do you actually hold back players like they used to for substitutions? No, you're not going, well, let this guy run out. He's starting to lose his legs. You go on and you take over that position. No, you just don't, you don't rot- rotate through your, your back five. <laughs> Probably and, not. And you just run three on the bench. You just you just run through. Run through your yeah. forwards. Yeah, that's probably how I do it. Just leave the back five alone. That, uh, that way, I stay on the field every week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got more, there's other issues that are getting you taken off the field. Mate. I did. I got a green at the weekend. Actually, did you really? Yeah. What geez. for? Hitting the ball away, and it just, it just so wasn't me hitting the ball away. It was, as I was hitting the ball, the whistle was still blowing. It was, uh, there was no intent on my part. Didn't waste any time. Oh, I've seen you actually intentionally hit the ball away. It's usually quite obvious. Yeah. It's going, it's going over the stand and it's taking a minute off the, off the clock. (laughs) Um, what else has been going on in the world of hockey? Well, a couple of things related to stuff we've already covered at the top of the show in the news section. Of course, the Olympic qualifiers have been, uh, decided. Jeez, I mean, how much conjecture and speculation can you have on the lead-up to a draw? <laughs> we finally got there anyway, which is great. Um, and FIH made the bold move of uh, live-streaming the event uh, with uh, uh, Thierry um, Hang on, on the draw. Hang on, bold move? Yeah, on, on Facebook Live. No, bold move. What was so, what's well, so bold you know, about go, Going live on on yeah, Facebook Live. About, yeah, but what's bold about doing that? It's new me- new media, new world, John. It's it's um it's about harnessing the power of social media to spread the word and to engage the hockey community, all as one, all watching, everybody watching, all at the same time, a smooth. I'm um, oh, sorry, no, I, I get it. I thought it was a no-brainer, but obviously, 
you know, it's completely new. I'm sorry, this is... Why wouldn't they do that? Um, when when you, we use terms like, oh, this is a great new initiative. It's not a great new initiative. It's been going on for ages. It might be the first time hockey's done it. No, I was, being, let's not I, kid ourselves. I was being a bit tongue-in-cheek with it. but Oh, oh <laughs> that was sarcasm. Sorry, mate. Sorry. I should have realised. Well, look, it was on Facebook Live, and um, I don't think anybody didn't have a problem with the stream did they it was jumping around left right and center uh-huh. and that you one moment there's nobody drawn in a certain pool and then there's a, a quick f- uh, fast forward to two games have been drawn out already uh, it was a very strange production but you've got a theory on why they well, struggled i was i was lucky matt i was one of the people that actually was sitting there waiting for this stream to start and if you were there early under the thousand viewer mark um it started all right. Oh yeah, there's um, was it Michael doing the, the yeah, other? Chris Hollins. Was Chris it? Hollins. Chris Hollins. Sorry, he uh, sorry Chris. He he started off. Oh, this is my little spiel, and there's him and Thierry standing behind little podiums. And once the counter hit a thousand, it all went downhill, which just says to your back end as far as what the issue was. So, there's, there's so you two- don't think it was do- dial-up internet in Lausanne? Well, that could have been what was causing their back-end problems, yeah. yeah. But there's, there's two issues with it. There was the technical side of all of those that stuff that was going on, and then there was the other issue of the presentation itself, which back-end stuff, oh, well, we should have expected this from FIH about having back-end difficulties because they haven't been able to get FIH live right, um, and we've seen these issues before. So no great surprise, but what really oh, F- could, could have shown it on FIH Live. Well, that's what I thought FIH Live was for. It's anyway, but we're the ones that told them that they should be showing stuff on YouTube. Remember? Yeah. Because that's exactly what YouTube's built to do, and so they but they went with Facebook despite having a YouTube channel, um, and they copped the issues that you're going to get on Facebook I made made a comment online in the week that surely you could simulcast it anyway why rely on just the one channel if we've got a problem with the Facebook it's fine sorry folks there's an issue with the stream go to our YouTube go to our Periscope go to our Instagram go at Twitch go anywhere it should have been live and exclusive on FIH.live but uh, whatever I don't know what's happened to that platform it's it seems to have just it's not disappeared but it's it's not being utilised let's put it that way Mm. um but the presentation itself, yeah, the presentation was poor. It was thoroughly unexciting. Um, having having three balls in a bowl in front of Thierry, which one are you going to pick out, Thierry? Oh, let me have, just have a look. Now, I'm not suggesting, was, well, I might sort of be, but that there was any wrongdoing in what was going on. But certainly you could have the perception that it was some sort of wrongdoing was going on with the way the draw was conducted. Thierry fiddles with the balls in the bowl, <laughs> you know, and picks one out. I mean, really? Frozen, room temperature. There's, there's lots of ways these things can work, and I'm not suggesting that they did that, but there will be the perception amongst people that they did. Well, now that you've said that, yeah. No, anybody that knows anything about lotteries and stuff, if they turned up on Saturday night lotto, whether a $150 million lotto pool, and some bloke started just picking <laughs> balls out of a bowl, there'd be an outcry. So you think there, maybe there should be some independent observer that the general public could witness witnessing the act? Oh, yeah, I think just for the sake of the perception of yeah. it. Okay. The other thing I would say, and bless Thierry, because I think... 
overall, he's trying to do a really good job for the sport. There has been a couple of good things come out in his tenure, etc., etc. But just don't, Terry, be there, but don't say anything. Let <laughs> let let someone else do that sort of stuff for you. Do you think a top hat would make a difference and a cane? No, no. I just think Terry's not that sort of guy. This is once you start talking about doing these live sort of stuff, it becomes about the personality of the people. It becomes about the way that they present themselves and. and you know, some people are good on camera, some people aren't. He's obviously a smart guy. We've heard him talk. His command of English as a second language is pretty good. You, we can understand him. He says sensible things. So this, it's not like it's an attack on Thierry's smartness or anything. He's just not a television person. And 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 bit, bit like bo- us. Well, exactly, that's why we're doing a podcast. These are production things, and that's a very, that might sound like a very hard thing to say about Thierry. But if you're in a uh, a commercial television station. That's exactly what they'd be saying yeah. about Terry. Yeah. And he's just not a tell. But by all means, be there, shake people's hands, and say, "Oh, well, thank you for attending the draw." This is, a, you know, a little speech or something. But actually, being the talent that's trying to present the production, no. Nah. Well, Findo from Hook Hockey, he was with the Irish girls watching on the big screen, the Facebook <laughs> Facebook feed, and uh, they totally missed their draw. Yeah. And sort of. They've, Popped up on the screen. Oh, look, it's already been done. It's, uh, you're playing against Canada. <laughs> oh, no, not because they were playing against Canada. No. It was just that little bit of excitement as a team to see your name come out of the draw and, and who you're going to get matched up against. But no, that was, that was robbed from them, John. It was robbed from them. It, it honestly had the feel of they'd popped into the Cool Blood Broadcasting Corporation here and, um, done it in the front shed. It had that feel about it. It didn't feel like a, a slick production. Oh, tiny, tiny studio and the in the corridor. Were crap. Well, yeah, the were. graphics were crap. I, I got to say that, and that's just a style thing. You can change that easy enough. That's not really, but they were shit. Anyway, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it social media fail of the week. I think you should. Yeah. You're with the Glow Hope. Yo, yo, yo. You reckon it'll catch on? Uh, yeah, I think so. Are you, uh, you going to rinse anyone at the weekend? Hey, I'll be rinsing, mate. Yeah, I'm going to do some rinsing. I hope so. It'd be nice to win. Four on the trot. Well, should we cover that up, cover off uh, Hockey Weekend before we do the last couple of bits? No. No? You don't want to talk about that? You're going to save what? that to the end? I didn't So, oh. grand final. Yeah. For you tomorrow, as tomorrow. we record, when yeah. Friday afternoon. Uh, Looking forward to it. You'll be, pla- yeah, you'll be playing in almost 24 hours' time. Fourth one on the bounce. Yeah. Um, you've discovered that, that uh, this afternoon that this will probably be the last game for that shirt. How do you feel about that? Oh, it won't be. Last, well, the the, the club colours will be changing, and you the the old black and white stripes they'll they'll be gone, so you won't be able to play that wear that shirt in games. So I'll you, wear, a, you, I'll wear it underneath. Will you? Like the new shirt. Okay. I'll, it'll stay with me. Right. If we win. If you keep it on much longer, it will literally stay with you. It'll just be stuck to your body. Yeah, I, I was thinking of uh, presenting it to a, a team perhaps that could do this <laughs> no, in a, gla- a sealed glass case. Right. I thought the Fremantle ones could probably do with that shirt because it's been through one more finals than they had. <gasps> Listening, boys. Shock, shock horror. Shock <laughs> horror. Nice uh, but how you, how you feeling about the game, though? Good. Yeah. So you finished top. They finished second. They finished second you beat them in the first final. Yeah. They won the second final. Yeah, on it strokes. Stroke, so yeah. They, they did a nice little bit of extra time running last week. Yeah. Sore on the legs. I think we're a good shot. Okay. Feeling confident. Oh, right. I'm feeling good. confident. It's good. Wait to see how much game time I got. 
Yeah, but you've some strange regulations. You're playing 17 aside or something. Oh, I don't. Apparently, oh, yeah. the two teams have got together and had a chat because, as it turns out, a lot of the guys that play for Willett used to play at Fremantle various times over the years. So we're actually quite good mates, the two teams. Um, and there's been some arrangement whereby, oh, you know, okay, you guys could play because. We're playing over 50s, Divi 2. I mean, it's not sheep stuff. FIH, are you listening? The corruption that's happening here with our great game. Well, 17 in a squad. One bloke's going to play one half and one bloke's going to play the other half. Right. That's how it works out. So we're, we're So all of the roster, nobody, so nobody has to miss out on playing a great yeah, final. Yeah, so, well, basically, especially when it's one person. I mean, how do you pick the one bloke that has to miss out on a grand final? Oh, well, I know. Or I know who I'd pick. Uh, yeah, me. But <laughs> Hey, how many on the trot will you be going for, speaking of? Um, That's why you want me, don't want Finals, me. or... So this grand will be, finals. This will be four grand finals on the trot, but we didn't win the one last year, did we? We, we uh, got there the hard way from third and uh, made it to the grand final, but lost 5-2. So you're going for three and day. four? Yeah, three and four. That's yeah, not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all right. You know, I'm used to having a walk on the Monday March. But you're... Mm. You're quite excited. I'm, I'm a bit nervous about it. Yeah, don't start me on it. I'm a bit, a bit nervous don't about it. Don't start you on it. Yeah, right. no, because I'm, you know, I'm feeling a bit anxious. I, it's, I really want to win it, mate. And uh, so it means, it means a lot to me. And yeah. uh, it's going to be tight. We lost two one to them in the, in the semi before winning last weekend three 0 to to go through. Um, yeah, it's going to be one of those games that I just don't want to bloody lose it, mate. I don't want to lose it. We can win it, but I don't want to lose it. Uh yeah, you can't play with the fear of losing, though. You gotta play with abandoned. I know. That's why I came around here early today for some counselling. I just <laughs> try and banish that, <laughs> banish those thoughts. Yeah, no, it's the second. You I'm start excited. I'm loss, excited. You, you, you know, it's just last last game of the year. This is you know you play the whole season to yep. to, to play the very last one. So um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I want to go now. Oh, hey, uh, a little bit of uh, news did catch my eye though. Um, from the FIH, uh-huh. um, from the the front page actually, when you land on the FIH, it's got the list of stories there. Uh, the FIH Hockey Olympic qualifiers, Germany seek to thrill Ho. I'm really looking forward to that game. Oh, you're right, that is at the top, at the top there. Okay, wonderful. Uh, yeah, also, also on that page, uh, um, the umpire, umpire, umpire appointments That's a good thing to talk about because we've had an umpire on today. Yeah, and congratulations to our mate Tammy Stanley, who will be the technical delegate for the women's competition. Should we go through it? And Christian Deckenbrook f- yeah. uh, from Germany, even the men's competition. Uh, why not? Umpire managers, Merrilee's de Klerk, Steve Horgan, uh, Philip Schellekens and Minka Woolley. Technical officials, Sarah Bennett, Josh Burt, Steve Catton, Alfred Chan. Oh, Alfred, Alfred. shout out. Yeah. Lillian Chi, Adrian Delamatia, Elizabeth First, uh, Magna Nazareth, Elichiro Nishizawa, Franco Timensa, Raya Richardson, hi Raya, Jackie Tomlinson, Roger A. Warris, uh, Rene Zaukin. Still going. Umpires yeah. on the men's panel, Christian Blasch, Benjamin Gundgen, Martin Groschau, Adam Kearns, Hong Zhen Lim, Martin Madden, Jakob Mejlik. Oh dear, here we go. Uh, German Montez de Oka, Ragu Prasad, Javed Sheikh, Simon Taylor, David Tomlinson, Kern van Bungay, Peter Wright, and on the women's panel, Amber Church, Carolina de la Fuente, Lorene Delforge, Maggie Giddens, Kelly Hudson, Michelle Joubert, Xiao Ying, Liu, Ayana McLean, Michelle Meister, Alicia Newman, Irene Prezenki, Annalise Rostron, Sarah Wilson, and finally, Emmy Yamada.
And congratulations to the uh, medical officers as well. <laughs> Lee Gordon, Bibu Nayak and Udo Rolly. Because I'm sure they'll have a busy time at Olympic Games. See you all in Tokyo. Stocking up on condoms and little blue pills, I imagine, at Olympic Games. <laughs> uh, well, you know what they're like. Crazy stuff. We had some other stuff written down here to talk about. What else have you got? Uh, Vanuatu, great stuff from the uh, Rockhampton hockey community with uh, helping out some of the Vanuatu team, mm. supplementing their diet with some local produce. Yes, good. I'm not, I'm not biting. Um, one thing we should talk about, those uh, qualification process, because... You know, there, there were murmurs about whether the qualification for Olympics was right. And at the Oceania Cup, that really kicked off, especially because essentially only Australia and New Zealand are competing in a tournament. Is it fair? And all those sorts of stuff and stuff. And, you know, I, I basically agree. It's probably not fair, but what other system are we going to use? Mm-hmm. How should Olympic qualification be managed? Well, like you said, who wants, who wants to have Australia and New Zealand in, in the their mix? confederation? Yeah. So... I've got a. I've and why should idea. we be excluded? Because we're a long way away. Why don't we go to a system very much like the World Cup does in soccer, and that that is give confederations places. So, for an Olympic Games, uh, Europe would get five places, say, or six, or whatever it is, and then you could give a couple to Asia, give a couple to um, South Amer- or the American Confederation. And maybe Oceania gets one and a half, and Africa gets one and a half, and then that half slot has a playoff. Has a playoff, yeah. or maybe it's South America gets two and a half, or the American Confederation gets two and a half, and Oceania gets that other half, and Africa gets two, Asia gets. However, I think that's a f- much fits far better into the what the Olympics is all about, and far easier to maintain than the system we have now. And so it would be, essentially the confederations would decide either, say it's the, the previous confederation cup or they can run their own internal, um, qualification yeah. system or tournament to, to get those listed rankings from their qualification. And the FIH just goes to Europe. Right. Who are your top five teams in the Olympic qualifying, your Olympic qualifying format? Right. They're in. Yeah. And it goes around like that. Instead of the system we have at the moment is just too, over the top and burdensome and cumbersome and hard it. to understand. Cumbersome, expensive, and not consistent. Changes all the time. Yeah, it's you know it's. Uh, but that, I think. But you're that, looking for another change anyway. But uh, why don't we just stick with what we got? But I'm I'm thinking that by giving places to confederations, you're probably making it fairer for nations. I mean, the idea of the Olympic Games is participation. That that's the core of what the Olympics is about: getting nations to participate. Yeah. So, you know, it, it enables that to be shared around to to class to get that. Um, just, uh, it it covers that base of of spreading the participation around the globe. Yeah. What it might not do though is fulfil the Olympic criteria of two possible. Route. Routes yeah. to get to the yeah, Olympics, yeah. which is easy to sort out in athletics or uh, in other sports. But isn't but a lot team of sport? It's a whole lot more problematic. Isn't a lot of what you just said there part of the argument that's given for hockey fives? No. With that spread of participation, that opportunity to compete at the at a higher level for smaller nations. Which actually brings me what to the crux of this, bringing this whole conversation up. Why are we bothering? Qu- qu- 
getting too upset about any sort of Olympic qualification when it's not going to be there as an 11 aside sport for much longer. Well, there'll be people. And that it, well, the pressure isn't from ho- this. Won't be a decision hockey has to make in the end. It, it's a decision that the hockey hierarchy is trying to get us used to, but it's going to be forced on the sport. It is not one chosen by the sport. That we're being forced to do this because sooner or later the Olympics will either go fives or nothing. I still think there's lots of good people in the hierarchy within our game that are still fighting very hard to, oh, there are, to, but to, to keep it at 11 It won't 11, matter how far side. we fight, because at, at one point the Olympic movement's going to say, nah, too many. They are moving in a direction away from where hockey is. That, that's undeniable. Yeah. Um, well, anyway. you know, does, it, does that tie into a potential uh, Indian Olympic bid? Well, that would be interesting to see how the Indians would handle something Didn't like that. you hear something about fives in India? Oh, yeah, I did. I heard a really good rumour this week that the next edition of the Indian National Championship will be five aside. So we've been, we saw the streaming from this year's Indian National Championship and enjoyed it very much. Some of the hockey that was being played, yep. if you remember. Very attacking hockey. Yeah, um, great shorts. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that will be now five aside tournament. Right. That's what I'm hearing. No official announcement yet. Let's wait and see. Well, I'm sure that will be much discussed in the next episode of Push Past Pundits, John, the Indian Hockey Podcast. Let's Check out pushpastpundits.com or follow Push Past Pundits on Twitter and Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, yep. Instagram. Do all of that. WhatsApp. We on all those sorts of things. <laughs> WhatsApp, yes, but no. Yes, but no. Okay. Unless you want to share your phone number and get, get some people to get in touch. Okay. Good luck tomorrow, mate. I, uh, I, 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 I hope it's a win, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, coming back to you next week with big smiles on our faces. If we don't, oh, it's only a game. Uh, no, it's not. It's not only a game. It's a grand final, mate. That's why you have finals. Like you have hockey, finals. hockey is just a game. Fair Nah, got nothing.